My name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is going to be delving back into the wonderful world of drug trips, courtesy of Arrowhead's Drug Vault. Now, Arrowhead, as I may have mentioned before, is a very important place on the internet. It's a place where if you are doing drugs and you're not sure what you're doing and you want to be sure what you're doing, you go to Arrowhead and their drug database library or whatever you want to call it is a common sense, non-exaggerated, cut and dry description of what the origin of the drugs, common dosing charts, things like that. It's just a smart place to go if you're going to do some drugs. And it just also happens to be a great place for people to have trip reports. I mean, they have a whole trip library experiences they call the Experience Vault, which is a great place to go and put your report your experiences, I suppose. And there's, you know, lots of uh, positive experiences and there's also negative experiences. And I find that the negative experiences are usually more entertaining because they are like uh, cautionary tales. You know, I consider doing some trip reports from different websites, but the stories there, there's always a lot of arguing and bickering on other sites that have trip reports. So I thought I'd go straight with the Arrowhead trip reports because they are, uh, they're just straightforward. So, Let's get right into it, shall we? I just for clarity's sake, I am at a zero on the highness or drunkenness scale. I have not taken anything. Oh no, I had, I had two beers early in the night, but I'm pretty sure I would pass. Oops, I would pass a breathalyzer test. And with that, we continue. And the first trip report we'll read is by Johnny420, who writes in a thread he entitled "Seeing the Other Side: Heroin and Cannabis." Body weight 160. Dose T minus zero one. Oral cannabis cookie slash food. T plus 30 minutes. T is the beginning of the trip. Then you go up incrementally, just so you know. T plus 30 minutes, 0.3333 grams, IV heroin, tar slash resin. Body weight, 160 pounds. Arrowid note, a third of a gram of heroin is considered an extremely high dose. See heroin dose chart. I am almost 20 and have been using heroin intravenously since I was 14. About two months ago, myself and a few friends rented a hotel to stay the night in and get loaded safely behind closed doors. All of my friends were already high as they had the dope in their possession the duration of the day and I had just arrived to take my first shot of the day at around 11 p.m. I think my first mistake was that I had not tested the potency of the dope before my shot was prepared. My second was that I was distracted and let my friend, who was already high, measure out and cook up my shot. I remember seeing the ball of tar before it was cooked and asking if he thought it was too big, and he said no. It looked pretty large even in comparison to my past use. I had eaten a pretty potent THC candy very fast, like in one bite, about 30 minutes prior. I sat in a chair in the hotel and shot the load. Almost 30 seconds later, I felt incredibly strong effects and was instantly lightheaded. The last thing I remember was looking at my girlfriend sitting over the bed and uttering, that was a fat hit. Everything became bright white. All of a sudden, I was in an unfamiliar suburban yet rustic area, walking down a street with unfamiliar people. Everything was bright yellow-orange, like the color of the sky right before dusk in mid-afternoon. The people spoke in an unfamiliar language. All their faces and bodies were quite similar to one another in a very ambiguous, almost faceless way. I tried to ask them for help, but no one responded. Before I knew it, I was a small child playing in a circle where my family once lived, playing with the other children, riding bikes and such, and before I knew it, I was in middle school, lost and confused at a school dance. I was living out my memories past, but soon 
soon as this occurred to me, I was waking up in a forest alone shortly after dark. Everything was murky and brown and the moon was full. I looked at the sky through the canopy of the trees and the murky brown of the sky started getting brighter. The shafts of the tall trees became figures around me dressed in navy blue. I looked around and saw a few of my friends standing around me with the men in navy blue. I identified the men were paramedics. Then I realized I was back in the hotel room. I felt an incredibly deep nausea. It had not yet registered that I was just revived from an overdose. The first thought was more like I just nodded out for a few minutes. Why are the paramedics here? The first thing I said was, I have the right to refuse medical treatment, right? The paramedics completely ignored my delirious question, and I heard one ask another, the Narcon worked, didn't it? Narcon is a narcotics neutralizing drug administered. I looked down and noticed that my shirt and shoes had been taken off and felt a terrible chill as hot waves of Narcon shot through my now sweat and ice-drenched body. Reality hit me. I was closer to death than I'd ever been seconds before. I looked down and was already in I looked I looked down and was already in a gurney. They wheeled me out to the ambulance and took me to the hospital for assessment and observation. I later found out that what I thought was a two-minute nod was a 30-minute unconscious ordeal for me and my friends. When I was looking at my friend on the bed before I saw what I had fallen back in my chair and begun to turn blue. My friend realized I had overdosed and called 911 and taken my shoes and shirt and packed me with ice. As I mentioned, when I came to, that my body was drenched with sweat and ice. People were slapping my face and trying to revive me and dragging my limp, unconscious body around the room for 30 minutes before the paramedics arrived. I didn't know any of this because I was somewhere else. Where I went was neither bad nor good. It was not pearly gates nor hellfire and brimstone. And I was not having a good time there, but I was not by any means uncomfortable during my stay. One of my religious friends told me it was probably paratory. Another who was chemically educated told me it was an induced DMT experience. Wherever I went, I had to travel through wormholes in my mind to get there, and it was not pleasant coming back to reality with Narcon. In fact, it was one of the worst feelings I've ever felt. What I learned. Death is just the world's strangest trip, which some may not understand, and you should try to stay in this realm of living conscious as long as you can. And never, ever fuck with your veins for recreational drugs unless you are a damn doctor and a chemist. Experience year 2006, gender male, added May 4th, 2007. A cautionary tale indeed. And the next trip report I'll read is entitled Combo Psychosis 2C-E slash 5-MEO-MIPT by Budastic. Dose 25 milligrams oral 2CE capsule, 10 milligrams oral 5-MEO-MIPT capsule. Body weight 130 pounds. These people are all very light. And the report goes like this. This trip does not concern me so much as it does my friend. Well, I've been tripping for a good couple of years now. I've eaten everything from your standard LSD and mushrooms to your more eclectic DOB, 2C-B, and AMT, along with a whole range of currently legal research chemicals. My latest dabbling has been 2CE and 5-MEO-MIPT. My girlfriend and I have been eating 2C-E at varying doses, highest so far about 50 milligrams each, every weekend for the past couple of weeks. As I went through a gram quite fast, the majority of it gone in two weeks, I decided to have a small trip party with the last five hits, along with a large quantity of 2C-I and 5-MEO-MIPT that I had. The setting is my grandparents' house, as they are out of the country for quite a while and condone my use of their house for small parties so long as I clean up. The people are my girlfriend, K, friends, J, male, T, male, P, male, and E, female, who are currently dating, and myself. Around five, we all take our doses. My girlfriend and I eat one capsule, about 25 milligrams of 2C-E, with the plans of smoking some 5-MEO-MIPT as we are coming up. 
P and J eat one capsule of 2CE, about 25 milligrams, and one capsule of 5-MeO MIPT, about 10 milligrams each. E and T just plan on drinking. About five hours after we dose, neither my girlfriend and I are feeling it at all. We had tripped the night before on 5-MeO MIPT and had not gotten much sleep, probably resulting in a cross tolerance. P and J, however, are feeling it quite strong, while E and T are both quite drunk. As we were low on supplies, E lets me take her car to the grocery store to get some supplies. It was a quick trip when we got some drinks and some snack food and head back. When we return, KJ T and I lounge around the living room while E and P are in the guest bedroom, presumably fooling around. We're sitting around talking when all of a sudden P decides to come out of the room butt naked. He says, what's up? Then falls onto the floor behind the couch that K and I were sitting on. We all bust out laughing about his fucked upness and head outside so we can laugh some more, but not in front of him, as he was obviously tripping fairly hard. So we're sitting in the backyard, lounging around while P and E were in the back guest room. About 15 minutes after the first incident of him coming out naked, we hear E scream. It didn't sound like it was in pain or fear, so none of us did anything. Then about a minute later, she ran outside in tears saying that P was really fucked up and that he bit her and wouldn't let her leave the room. So, out of the group, my girlfriend and I are the only sober ones. We had taken some 2CE, but neither of us felt it. My other friend Jay was tripping pretty hard and had no idea what to do. So K calmed down E while T and I went into the room to see what the hell was up. P comes out of the room again, still but naked. This time stroking his limp dick and saying stuff like, I feel so good. The trees are green. Baby, I'll do anything for you. Swim in the creek. I'll do coke. I'll do anything. Engineers building better bridges. I want to fuck you, E. I want to put my dick in your ass. And so on. Basically, he would repeat the same couple sentences over and over while beating off his limp dick. T and I look at each other and say, what the fuck do we do? When all of a sudden, he punches me in the face. I don't know why I didn't lose it. I had a PVC did... I had a PVC didgeridoo in my hands that I could have easily killed him with on the spot, but I kept my composure and went outside knowing full well that he was beyond fucked up. The next hour or so was spent with him wandering in and out of the house, wanting his girlfriend E or to go swimming in the quote-unquote creek. I still have no idea what he means by this. He shouts stuff like, fuck you, I want to fuck you in the ass, fuck all y'all, I don't care, over and over again, while I can hear my neighbors entering and leaving their backyards. I'm freaking out that someone is going to call the cops, so I put all the drugs into a CD case and stash it in a hiding spot in a nearby friendly house. Heading back, he's still up to the same crap. He was having a full-blown shit flip, one of sizes I've never seen before. I've seen people lose their minds and wander around the house for a couple hours, or getting stuck on the couch watching TV unable to speak, but I've never seen someone so far blown as P. It was as if he didn't know where he was was, when he was, or who anyone else was, or what he was doing. We're still trying to figure out what to do and call up some people seeing if they could help in any way. Finally, one friend says he has some sleeping pills and will bring them by. It's been about an hour, hour and a half since this whole thing began and he was still going on the same shit. This time he was just standing in the living room beating off saying the same stuff with T watching him. Jay in the kitchen, K and E in the back room with me in there making some phone calls. Finally, E convinces him to go lay down in a bed. He remains there under the covers until my friend comes in with the sleeping pills. He gives me two saying that... Half of one is enough. He can't stay long, though, and departs fairly quickly. So now we're left with P, who is tripping harder than I've ever imagined possible, and all of us with two sleeping pills wondering how we'll feed them to him. According to the friend that gave them to me, they taste kind of sugary, so we decided to crush them up and pour them into a shot of vodka. We hand him the shot, telling him that it's more 2C-E, and that we'll fuck him up even more. He says, fuck yeah, and takes it out of my hand. Instead of drinking it, however, he poured it on himself. Instead of drinking it, however, he poured it on himself. So one pill wasted, one left to go. E decides to try to coerce him to take it. She, being his girlfriend, sweet talks to him, telling him that there is more 2CE and that he'll feel even better. She lets him put it in her mouth and drink some water that she handed to him, swallowing the pill. Victory! 
sort of. It took a good hour or so to kick in, and it never fully worked. Instead of knocking him out, it more or less just sedated him. He would still be on fucked up, but at least he wasn't shouting. He would occasionally mumble to himself, all the while still beating off his limp pecker completely butt naked in my grandparents' bed. He feels really bad for him and spends most of her time in the room talking to him, against our advice of simply leaving him alone. It's now around 10.30 or 11 or so, and none of us are sure what to do with him. So, for the next few hours, we just sort of hang around the living room. JK and I slipped off into an adjacent room to watch some TV while E and T listen to some music. P is under control for now, so we just decide to wait and see what happens. Finally, the situation gets to be too much for my girlfriend. She's a psychedelic hardhead, easily matching my doses, yet is still fairly new to the scene. She's never seen a full-blown shit flip, and it gets to her. Even though neither of us even begins to trip tolerance plus the situation most likely, she was feeling a bit nauseous. She wanted to head home, so I take her there. After I dropped her off, I came back to an empty house. P, E, J, and T were gone. I called up T to see what would happen, and she said that J needed to leave and they were going to drop P off at his home. Apparently, they believed he was still monumentally fucked up, yet coherent enough to go back to his house. So, while they were gone, I cleaned up the house, and they returned. We sit around for a while recounting the night, still entirely in shell shock, and they decided to crash. I'm still up and wired, so I head back over to my girlfriend's house for an hour or two. And now, here I sit, writing this. It's 4.40am, and I'm not feeling the least bit tired. T and E are going to leave the house around 9am, so I'll head over there shortly after to do one final cleanup and lock up. As for P, I have no idea how he's doing now. He's as home as far as I know and care. I've seen a side of him that I never knew could even exist in a person, and it will permanently affect how I look at him. I feel anger for him, and yet a great amount of sorrow. Tomorrow, he won't remember a bit of what happened, yet his life is quite a bit different now. He did some things that he will really regret. I don't know how he's going to live it down. The thing that confuses me the most is just how the fuck this happened. He's tripped before, off mushrooms a couple of times, acid once, and 2C-E once. I've never actually tripped with him before, but I've talked to him a number of times over the phone while tripping, and he's never lost it this bad. This took us all completely by surprise. His dosage of the drugs was no higher than anyone else's. It was well under the scope of a shit flip of... <laughs> it was well under the scope of a shit flip of this magnitude had. Was it just... bad timing? The combination of a phenethylamine or a tryptamine? What could have triggered this? Edit. It's now the Monday after and I've seen and talked to P. He doesn't remember a good five or six hours of the night and apologized profusely when we told him what happened. He's encouraging me to write this report so that others can understand that sometimes the unexpected does happen. There's really no way to prepare for it except to just keep some sleeping pills or Thorazine on you. The best advice I can give is to not freak out. Stay calm and collected. Don't yell or try to control a person that's tripping too hard because he'll only yell louder. I hope this trip can prevent other similar incidents from occurring in the future. Experience year 2004. Gender male added May 19th, 2004. Truly a magnificent tale of insanity. The next trip report we will read is entitled Do Beware, D.O.B. by Soma Psychosis. Dose, one hit, oral, D.O.B., blotter slash tab, and D.O.B. is a powerful psychedelic. Body weight, 125 pounds. A funny thing happened to me on the internet the other day. In the process of idly surfing the net, I came upon a picture of blotter that I was fairly sure I had dosed with at some point. Closer inspection revealed this to be true, and brought up memories of a hellish experience that I feel must be shared. Around my 18th birthday, I had pretty much finished experimenting with any illegal psychoactives, having done everything available in my area numerous times, which accounts for almost all substances, but was left with a burning desire to try real, legitimate LSD. I had taken blotter before, which looked like it had been dropped on cardboard, which produced effects that were neither strong nor particularly enjoyable or profound. 
At this point, I was almost done trying, having concluded that all acid contained LSA extracted by laymen or low-dose tryptamines purchased by internet junkies. Imagine my surprise when, without warning, I came upon two hits of beautiful blotter. They were approximately one square centimeter in area, pink and blue, one each, and etched with the design of a bulging circle crossed with lines. On the back, they seemed to display a piece of a larger design. They were received through a friend of a friend of a friend. They were originally purchased at a reggae festival in San Francisco, sold and then resold to my friend C. I became convinced upon sight that these would contain the real revered ergot alkaloid, mistake number one, and immediately formulated a plan to enjoy their effects. The following Saturday was obligation-free. About an hour after receiving our magical paper, C and I were excitedly examining them when the idea of immediate consumption was brought up and decided upon. Mistake number two. At this point, it was around six in the evening. I had to be home at 10.30, being still under the parental umbrella, and had to be at work at 10 the next morning. I assumed that even if a 12-hour trip were to take place, I would be all right as rain and raring to go and deal with customers after a pleasant solitary trip. Mistake number three. We both dropped at approximately 6.30. I was struck at the hellacious bitterness of the hits that began completely coating my mouth and began to wonder exactly what I was taking. I had always heard LSD was tasteless. I convinced myself that maybe a byproduct had not been completely removed and wasn't terribly concerned. Mistake number four. The hits began to kick in very, very slowly around 8. C and I became very quiet with only occasional nervous giggle and the not-so-occasional dude. How you feeling? Punctuating the silence. By around 10, I was feeling wonderful. The drug was continuing to come on stronger, and while I had moderate body load, coldness, mild nausea, and a slight need to shit, I was in a very peaceful and giggly mood and enjoying this new experience to the fullest. Sadly, I had to adjourn to the home front, and that was when my trip really began. Reliving this experience now is bringing back many of the feelings from that night. As I began walking home, the visuals kicked in. Mostly floating lights of blue, green, and purple. Everything seemed to be ebbing and flowing like water, similar to my 2C-I experience back when it was legal. And textures were inviting and profoundly fascinating. I arrived home and proceeded to my parents' room to tell them that I was home. As I was doing this, I noticed that I began to lean alarmingly to the left and by the end of the conversation, I was about to fall over. I shuffled to my room, already feeling unsure of my performance, and beginning to regret my decision. Mistake number five. The night is a blur for me at this point, but I remember frequently having to urinate, seeing a huge, ripped, bald man in the mirror. I was a lean 18-year-old boy, observing the toilet water shift different shades of green, seeing more of the green, blue, and purple bubbles and tidal movements, and having thoughts dominated by depravity and chaos, horrific sex acts, vampirism, and bizarre chants, repeating for hours, etc. The experience began to peak at 3 in the morning, seven hours after threshold effects were noted. The peak lasted for three hours, seeming to get stronger and stronger and then beginning to fade. There was definitely a rolling to the effects. Around 8, my mom came to wake me up, noted my extremely dilated pupils, red face, and wild expression, and began screaming at me, driving me into the worst trip I have ever experienced. The only thing I remember is feeling suicidal, confused, and miserable, trying to sleep through the last bit of the trip. Finally, at 4 in the evening, I dropped off and awoke around 8, still seeing waves and slightly groggy, but otherwise sober 24 hours after the onset of the trip. The come down was extremely prolonged and annoying. I was able to sleep that night and awoke feeling slightly dazed and relaxed, but this faded after a day or two. I talked to C later, and he told me he had been up peeling spiders off the bed all night. Anyway, the other day I found these hits on the internet, 
lab tested as DOB. A quick check revealed that these indeed had been available in Northern Cali in 2005, and these were the hits I had taken those years ago. I wrote this report to give some general advice about tripping and also to describe what a bad trip on DOB feels like. What I did wrong, notes to myself. Mistake number one, never assume a substance is what it is sold as, especially when dealing with something as ambiguous as blotter, powders, or pills. Keep in mind that as long as drugs are illegal, there is no quality control. Test everything with a minuscule dose and gradually up it. Mistake number two, drugs, particularly strong psychedelics, should never be taken on a whim, especially chemicals I am unfamiliar with. I should try to be prepared for anything before ingesting. That way I can enjoy myself without any unpleasant surprises. Mistake number three. Always prepare for the possibility of a hangover. Many drugs will leave me feeling impaired for a day or two. So never assume I will be able to function normally. Hangover effects can vary tremendously even with a single substance. So I should be careful. Mistake number four. If I have any doubts about a substance, do not use it. A high is never worth any health problems. Drugs are a big business, conducted by criminals primarily concerned with minimizing cost and increasing profit. Mistake number five. In my experience, regret is the mind killer. When it comes to tripping, once I've taken a substance, there is really nothing to do but wait it out. Try my best to enjoy the experience for what it is. Deal with any consequences that may arise when I am of sound mind and body again. Always remember that tripping is temporary and that I choose to do it. Many times, regret leads to thoughts of, I'm never coming back and I'm going to die. Nothing is so bad that a bad trip can't make it worse. In conclusion, I am really angry that I had the chance to enjoy and experience something as rare as DOB but wasn't aware of it at the time, and I pissed it away freaking out in my room. It seems to be an interesting chemical and would probably have had a blast if taken in the right setting. I want people to read this post and learn something from my experience. I no longer take illegal drugs for many of the truths stated above, as well as a general desire not to be a criminal, but I support responsible adults that do. Value the experience of others. It's virtually the only unbiased information available. Regrettably, I must be signing off. I finished a bowl of kava as I wrote this, came in a marked package, FDA approved, no surprises here, and I am tired. Experience year 2005, gender male, added September 22nd, 2008. And finally, we will read for this half an hour podcast. I'm trying to keep them half an hour so that I can be on talk radio Reddit. And finally, we read a trip report by Tech22 entitled Dark and Hopeless Hell, Datura. And just in case you didn't know, Datura is a plant seed that is a deliriant. Dose 1 Oral Datura Seeds. Body weight 170 pounds. When I was 18, I was in a strange place in the world. I was homeless, penniless, and had no real ambition to pull myself out of the gutter. Although I was without the basic necessities of food and shelter, I had a steady supply of drugs that were dispensed, I supposed, out of sympathy by many of my friends. I went to sleep hungry and cold every night, but never sober. One evening before I left a party to hit the streets to find a broom closet or sterile world... (laughs) God... One evening before I left a party to hit the streets to find a broom closet or stairwell to lay my head, a guy I barely knew gave me a large freezer bag full of brown spiky pods. What are these? Jimson weed. The seeds will make you trip. Maybe you can sell them. I don't want them. He told me to split the pod open and eat half of the seeds if I really wanted to trip hard. To me, that meant eat the whole pod since I always found recommended doses to be unsatisfying. I chose not to dose that night since I was already tired and afraid I might fall asleep before the trip kicked in. I slept in a building gutted by a fire a few years ago before before the freezing November air woke me just before dawn. I got up and walked into town to raise my body temperature and avoid hypothermia. This was my daily morning ritual. Obviously, 5 a.m. in a small city offers very little in terms of recreation, so I decided it was the right time to open the door of perception and begin my day with a psychedelic breakfast. I chose the largest pod in the bag, which was also the darkest in color. I was told afterwards the most potent seeds are the deepest brown. The seeds were terribly bitter, and many of the shells got stuck in my teeth. I managed to finish the entire pod with a little help from a public water 
water fountain. I watched a beautiful sunrise from the roof of an apartment building, constantly waiting for the effects of the Jimson weed to take effect. I can't say how long I sat until the seeds started working, but the first noticeable signs came in the form of extreme thirst and general physical discomfort. Finding the feelings of seeming dehydration were too strong to ignore, I went to a nearby McDonald's for free ice water. It must have been after nine because the only people in the restaurant were old guys getting free refills on senior citizen discounted coffee. I sat in a booth in the back corner, sipping water through a cracked straw, watching the thirsty elderly redneck parade. It didn't take long for me to realize that I was entering into a very hallucinogenic trip. The fact that I hadn't eaten a real meal in a week and I was sleep deprived probably added to the drug's intensity, but I can't imagine a big dinner in a full eight hours would have made too much of a difference. Unlike the onset of an E or acid trip, my mental state was very comfortable, but my physical condition felt quite unhealthy. The heavy sense of inebriation was quickly followed by powerful, disorienting visuals. Though they weren't disturbing, they seemed as clear as sunlight. Black cats milled around the floor in front of me, so numerous I couldn't even see the tile. They appeared wet and angry. There was deep crimson blood dripping from the ceiling. Everything was technicolor. The sense of detachment was strong, but it didn't feel strange. Each hallucination flowed into the next. I was holding a very old Bible in my lap. I couldn't figure out how to open it. Soon it started to leak blood too. The more I struggled, the more it bled. As soon as I realized my efforts were futile, the book materialized into thin air around me. It didn't seem... Materialized? Dematerialized? Well, it didn't seem strange to me. Then I analyzed the room again. It was a bustling, futuristic metropolis. It appeared very large and very alien, with shining chrome and flashing lights everywhere. I began to feel discomfort and the strong urge to urinate simultaneously. I staggered into the bathroom and vomited in the... (laughs) I staggered into the bathroom and vomited into the closest urinal right in front of an Amish man. Now, I live in south-central Pennsylvania, so it's very possible that he was really there. But considering my state and other people's accounts of Datura-induced visuals, I suspect he was just a hallucination. I do know that I relieved myself somewhere in the bathroom... Fuck. I do know that I relieved myself somewhere in the bathroom and left through the side exit adjacent to the lavatory door. The street outside was a scene from World War II ravaged Europe. I don't know which country, but everyone in the street was garbed in Nazi military uniform. I was, I felt very threatened. I ran into the alley behind the parking lot and hid behind a pine tree. The anxiety soon ebbed. But the thirst and need to urinate returned. I knew I needed a comfort zone, a place I could relax in. A friend lived nearby. I walked to his apartment complex and stood in front of the stairwell. The same crimson blood from McDonald's was cascading down the steps. It began to rise over my shoes, up my legs. A heavy sense of vertigo came over me. There's a memory gap between the stairs and my friend's apartment, but I ended up on his couch watching dolphins dive through the wall in a seamless loop. During my time there, I experienced the typical non-existent cigarette search and disappearing person puzzle. Whatever that means. I visited the bathroom many times, but eliminated very little. The sense of dehydration was unbearable. There was no comfort. I didn't recognize people in the room. I asked the person close to me where Bill was. Bill's not here was the return. I closed my eyes to escape the growing sense of panic, but when my eyelids shut, all I saw was a new room with new people. Where was I? I tried to reopen my eyes, but it only revealed another room with yet more strangers. This went on and on. I didn't know if my eyes were open or shut. I didn't know where I was, what time it was, or what was happening. My panic turned into sensory collapse. Everything bled together, and I felt a deep spiraling sensation engulf me. I lost all visual capabilities, and I still had a very real sense of touch. I was trapped in a small metallic box. It made perfect sense to me. I was dead. This was hell. There were no demons, no hellfire, no brimstone, just a deep, complete feeling of darkness and hopelessness. This was the never-ending void. Not at all how I imagined it, but worse than I thought it could have been. I've had feelings of infinite emotion on acid trips and sensations of universal truth in K-holes, but this was the most profound reality I've ever experienced. My whole existence was put into perspective, and I was being punished for wasting the gift of life. I blacked out at some point in the box and woke up in my friend's apartment in the next day. He said I was out for about eight hours. The physical effects wore off about a day later, but the psychological impression has yet to fade. Detour is boundless. Detour 
Datura is powerful beyond words. Datura is poison. Experience year, 1998. Gender male. Added April 7th, 2002. Well, certainly that is a... uh, a cautionary tale, I would say, wouldn't you? I mean, or a series of cautionary tales. I love reading drug trip stories because they are crazy and also fun. Because, as I said about drugs, is that uh, everyone loves doing drugs. Even people who can't or shouldn't be doing drugs love doing them. They just can't or shouldn't be doing them. So, if you're going to do drugs, please do your research. Don't be a hero. You don't have to take heroic doses of anything. Just take the right amount for you and give me some Something safe. I don't want any detourist seeds. I don't need a 24-hour insanity loop. (laughs) So anyway, thanks for listening. There's been a flood of reviews on iTunes, and I really appreciate that. Love seeing all those hilarious reviews. And yes, the educational system did work. I can read. A lot of people doubted it, but I can. I can indeed read. Oh, I wanted to also add that if you do use... Arrowhead and you find it useful, consider donating to Arrowhead. Arrowhead does need money because it's just a website. They don't really have any like ads on it per se. And they just, it's a, you know, an online library of useful information that you can't find anywhere else. So if you are a drug user and you've used Arrowhead, they always need money. So go ahead and consider donating to them. Unfortunately, I don't think you could get, you can write that off on your taxes, donating to a drug website, but, um, you know, something to consider in the future. If, you, if you're so inclined. And thanks to everyone for reviewing the podcast and passing it around. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You. There will be bonus content on the podcast website, the blog. Uh, I don't know if you went there for the penis enlargement one. It took me a while to get it out, but there is a bonus content on the podcast blog at loureads.com. Please feel free to go there and listen to that file. Uh, I also put it up on BuzzFeed and wherever you see that, if you see the that it's been posted on Reddit or whatever, please upvote. I need the upvotes. People just do not like to do that, apparently. Get the word out. We need more people to be listening to Lou Reads the Internet for You. I'm going to be making probably some more magnets for people who want magnets and uh, possibly bumper stickers. Do people want bumper stickers? Put it in the comments or on the Facebook page. We're over 500 listeners, uh, fans at the Facebook page, so I really appreciate that. Thanks, everyone, for clicking the like button and letting Facebook collect more information on you. Thanks for listening. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reed's Arrowwood Trip Reports for you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>